Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, February 18th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Facebook bans the sharing of news content in Australia. Meanwhile, oil prices are up as frigid temperatures cripple the oil industry in Texas. And the U.S. charges three North Koreans over a series of cyber hacks. Plus, the FT's global China editor, James King, talks about Beijing's plan to roll out a digital currency that'll double as a surveillance tool. I'm Mark Filipino. Here's the news you need to start your day. On Wednesday, Australian lawmakers began debating legislation that would force big tech to pay publishers for news. Now, two of the biggest tech companies responded, and they responded very differently. While Google announced a global deal to pay the publishing group News Corp for journalism, Facebook said it'll ban its users and publishers in Australia from sharing news content. The FT's West Coast editor, Richard Waters, has been following the story and joins me to talk more about this. Richard, did Google essentially back down? Did it did it blink in the face of Australian officials standing firm and, and moving forward with the legislation? Well, Mark, we've had years in which the online news business has been fighting with Google and Facebook over whether they should get some payments for the way their content is being used online. Um, two things have happened. One, as you say, is that Google has bowed to a global deal with Rupert Murdoch's news empire, which itself is something that's been fought about for more than a decade. But at the same time, Facebook has turned around and basically said it's going to block all news in Australia that's being carried on its service. And not only that, but if you're anywhere in the world using Facebook, you won't see any Australian news that anyone is sharing. So Richard, I'm curious, how are other tech companies watching this whole thing unfold? Do they see Google's approach or Facebook's approach as the more viable option in a situation like this? Well, Australia basically singled out just these two companies. They were the only ones that were going to get named in its law. Really, I think the the question here is what the rest of the world sees. We've had politicians in Canada, in Europe, you know, also looking at what's happening in Australia and saying, we like that, you know, we want to do that in our countries. And we've had news publishers around the world looking at this and saying, we'd like this system as well to get money out of these companies. So, you know, very much we have a, a country of um, basically saying, you know, we are we are going to force a whole new way of doing business on the, on the news industry. You know, it's having these explosive reactions and the rest of the world is looking at this saying, we want to learn from this, we want to benefit from this. And so this is a real turning point. Richard Waters is the FT's West Coast editor. He covers all things tech. Thank you, Richard. Yeah, good to talk to you, Mark. In oil markets, U.S. crude prices rose above $61 a barrel in early trading yesterday as Arctic weather in the U.S. hit the Texas oil industry. Texas is America's largest oil producer, and it's a pillar of the global energy market. The Lone Star State rarely gets this cold or gets this much snow. One analyst said that unlike oil producers in frigid climates like North Dakota and Siberia, most Texas producers haven't weatherproofed their equipment, and they've lost power and pipelines are frozen. To make matters worse, the conditions of the roads have delayed repairs. (laughs) 
China is racing to become the first big economy to introduce a centralized digital currency, and it's hoping to showcase its digital renminbi at next year's Winter Olympics. The move would help Beijing achieve a long-time goal, freeing itself from having to conduct trade in the U.S. dollar. But it would have other benefits for Beijing, too. James King is our global China editor. He's been looking into the story. James, why is China doing this? There are a number of reasons uh, behind China's decision to launch this digital renminbi. The first is, I think, that it saw that many private companies around the world are issuing their own type of cryptocurrency. For example, Facebook's Libra, which has now changed its name to DM, and the Chinese Communist Party basically wanted to get ahead of them. It didn't want these currencies becoming the medium of exchange within China. The second reason I think is that, in a sense, the digital renminbi is very appealing to the Communist Party because it embeds within it a whole load of surveillance functions. The central bank of China will be able to monitor in real time every single transaction that is being put through using the digital renminbi all over China. So, from that perspective, the digital renminbi is a very attractive tool for a government that is very much concerned with social control. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely incredible the kind of surveillance that they'll have with this tool. And I want to get to that in a little bit, but first. There are many digital payment systems that already exist in China. There's Alipay, which is run by Ant, and WeChat Pay, which is operated by Tencent. They're like, you know, China's versions of PayPal. How will the government's digital renminbi affect these existing payment systems? Um, I think most of the analysts in China think that the digital renminbi will be an unambiguous competitive threat to these private sector payments platforms, Alipay and WeChat Pay together worldwide have a active user base of 1.9 billion people. These are absolutely enormous. And in the case of Tencent, we're talking about a company that ranks among the 10 biggest in the world, and its capitalization on the market is about 920 billion US dollars. So. To say that the digital renminbi represents a competitive threat to Alipay and WeChat Pay is really a very major statement, but it's an inescapable conclusion if you look at the way the digital renminbi and the system around it is configured. Somebody will go to an ATM of a state bank, they'll hover their mobile phone in front of the ATM machine, and they will get a download of digital renminbi from their account onto their phone. And then they'll go around the country paying for whatever they need to pay for just by hovering the mobile phone over the point of sale device. So that is a system that doesn't require Alipay or WeChat Pay at all. Right. And, and a big point here is that because it's a digital currency run by the government here, every merchant will have to accept it. So there's no turning down the digital renminbi. But is there reluctance? You know, going back to this idea about surveillance, are Chinese people reluctant about accepting this form of payment because the Chinese government will be watching every purchase they make? 
They may be reluctant, but China is already a country in which surveillance is omnipresent. And effectively, China is not a democracy. The people of China do not have a choice in whether or not to use the digital renminbi in the future. As you've just mentioned, the digital renminbi will be legal tender. All merchants in China will be legally obliged to accept it in payment. Of course, people don't need to use it. But with the vigor that the central government is rolling this out, it would be very surprising if it didn't get taken up pretty quickly. What about the rest of the world? Let's zoom out a little bit. How will this impact China's economy and financial interactions with the rest of the world or you know, other global currencies? I think it will take the digital renminbi probably several years, according to the analysts that we're speaking to in mainland China, before it gets accepted by the wider world. And I think a big reason for that is all of the surveillance capabilities that come with the digital renminbi. I mean, if you're trading with China, if you're sitting in America buying or selling something to China, then do you really want to be using a currency that allows the central bank of China and therefore the Communist Party of China to monitor everything that you're doing? I think probably a lot of people will be wary of that. So it sounds like the US dollar is the dominant global currency is is here to stay for at least a while, right, James? It would seem that way. I mean, the Chinese government has had a long-standing aim of freeing itself from what it calls the dollar trap. By using that term, it means having to settle most of its trade transactions using the US dollar. And it sees the digital renminbi as a future way to try to get out of the dollar trap. But if the rest of the world is still wary of accepting and trading in the digital renminbi, it may take several years before China can actually get out of this uh, trap that it perceives. James King is our global China editor. Thank you, James. Thank you, Mark. Before we go, U.S. justice officials yesterday charged three North Koreans for their part in a long-running spree of cyber hacks. The trio allegedly conspired to steal and extort more than $1.3 billion in money and cryptocurrency. The U.S. says the three defendants were members of a North Korean military intelligence agency. The cyber attacks took place over an 11-year period. They include the 2014 Sony Pictures hack that was linked to a comedy film about a plot to kill North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. Warrants have been issued, though all three are believed to be in North Korea. Pyongyang has denied the existence of one of the defendants. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.